Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 6 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is a little after 10pm Eastern Standard Time on November 20th. We just finished uh, this week's episode of Dynamite, but luckily it is already on demand, so we are re-watching it, and we are here to provide you with another weekly recap. Yeah, the show tonight was really good. The show tonight was really, really good. And we're going to talk about, of course, Dynamite first. We have the World Tag League. We'll talk a little bit about New Japan, and then we're also going to maybe do a little speculation segment. We'll talk a little bit about where we think Marty Skrull may go and maybe where he ends up and maybe where the best fit will be for him between maybe WWE or AEW, maybe even staying in ROH. But we all know where we, where we want him to go, but may not be the best for him. So we'll just talk about that also. But we have a lot to encompass today in today's show, so I'm pretty excited to get at it start a little differently but first we do have a question we have another question which i'm glad about because we're engaging here i i am glad that this is turning into something this week's question comes from my mother <laughs> but it, it is a question it is still a question yes um, it is from your mom but it is still a question loves kenny omega i feel like she would like me to plug that Kenny Omega is for the moms. But uh, she asked, will we see any WWE wrestlers go to AEW? Uh, the answer is yes. I would like to think so. How, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's just a matter of time. I, I don't know who it's going to be. I can't, I can't predict that. I mean, of course, we've heard the Revival may want to move on and Luke Harper may want to move on and... You know, Mike Kanellis, I don't know if they're interested in Mike Kanellis, but he may want to move on. There's a lot of guys that may want to move on. But I think it's just a matter of time until somebody does come over from WWE again. It, it just, I just don't know who. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Obviously, it's hard to say. Mox was the first true deflector, unless you count Jericho. But Yeah, or Dustin, I guess. Dustin, too. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. But Mox was really the one that, I mean, he was... Heavily used on television. He was very popularized. He was on every program they ran. So he was the biggest star to jump. Or was the next biggest star to jump? I don't really know that answer. No, I don't I don't know either. Um, Might but... be a better question of who from AEW may jump. Maybe another question you can ask because I don't, I don't know on either side, but I don't know really what their contracts look like. But, I mean, it, it could be both ways, not only WWE. Who would you want to see? In come, AEW? To come to AEW. Uh, I mean, again, I think I've said it before. I'm not the biggest Revival fan, but it's not about their talent because the more I've watched them, the more they've gotten better. So it's the way that they were utilized on the main roster. It made them feel completely unimportant. They had no characters. They had no charisma. They had no momentum. And they really had no motivation to work. So I would be really interested in seeing the Revival come to AEW, which I think is the biggest, most obvious piece, but Luke Harper is another guy I really would be interested in seeing. I know he did some really awesome things in the Wyatt family. He's kind of a hardcore wrestler, too. He fits right in with that group, but he was the Intercontinental Champion for a little while, and I knew a lot of people that were his big fans. Yeah, I, those are two signings I would like to see as well. I was hoping that um, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, but before, you know, AEW is on TV. I was hoping we'd get to see them, but they had, I don't know, time time will tell, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's really a tough question because we just don't know. Th this type of public information, which you would talk about contracts like football, when you would kind of know, hey, listen, at the end of the season, Leonard Williams of the New York Giants contracts expiring. The Giants will have to either franchise tag him or they're going to have to re-sign him. We don't really have that knowledge in wrestling. It's not really public knowledge of whose contracts are expiring when. Or some you know, but it's not as much public knowledge for everybody. So it's kind of just wait and see. So 
That's the answer I can give you. Just kind of wait and see. I don't really know. But I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I just don't know who. But anyways, thank you uh, for the question there. And, you know, as we say each week, if, if you guys have any questions, let us know at, at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter. Email is dojoanddynamite at gmail.com. Anything, anything you want to know, anything you want to talk about, just hit us up. But from there, we will now move into our recap. So as you had mentioned, the show opened with Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix in singles competition. It's the first time that Nick Jackson's wrestled singles in, what, four years? Is that what he said? I mean, this was a match I think everybody was waiting for. And I think it was the right open. It was the right match to open. We thought maybe it would be Santana and Ortiz versus Private Party. Private Party is always exciting to open with. But I think with the way they hyped up that NXT show running simultaneously with the invasion of the WWE... I think this was the right thing to open the card because you got right into the action. You got right into what's considered the best action with Moxley and Darby Allen main eventing, respectively. Uh, but this was the right match. And just Ray Phoenix is just incredible. You know, Nick Jackson's great. The Young Bucks have been great for years. Everybody's been able to watch the Young Bucks in ROH, New Japan. People are very familiar with the Young Bucks. But not everybody's familiar with Ray Phoenix. And he was really outstanding. They did some ridiculous spots tonight. And his rope running is just incredible. And Nick Jackson's is too. You're a big Ray Phoenix fan. I'm a big Nick Jackson fan. And this match was just absolutely wild. Um, I, I believe they announced it over the weekend. I, I think so. If I'm not mistaken. And, you know, this was this is a dream matchup. And it, it delivered on all fronts. I'm really glad that these guys got the exposure that they did. Like you said, the Young Bucks have been around forever. The Lucha Bros are taking over the world. As tag teams, we know who these people are. They're, they're household names. But to get them in singles competition, especially Nick, who hasn't wrestled in singles competition in or six years, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Um, you know, it's Again, it's great exposure. But then to go out there and kill it, it was fantastic. And you mentioned you mentioned how it was the right way to start the show, what it was going up against on NXT. I, I didn't think about that at all because I just don't care about what they're doing. This kept me engaged in this whole show. This is all I needed. Yeah, and I, there's not much to talk about. You really have to watch it. There were some... Hurricane Rana's, some flips outside the ring. There, were, Like I said, there was rope running. There was some crazy false finishes and near falls. A lot of super kicks, just like any Young Bucks match, regardless of who's wrestling. But it, it's an A. It's an A. It's an absolute A. Uh, the segment was an A. It opened up with a bang. The audience was fantastic. The crowd was full. That Indianapolis crowd was packed. It was an excellent way to start the night. Uh, crowd was really into it. We were really into it. I couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes away from the TV. So, it's an A, of course. Yeah, I thought it did really well. I mean, obviously, you don't want to mention the competition they're up against, but it was touted all week. And anybody with a smartphone, anybody with the Bleacher Report app, uh, was able to see that Triple H had said, hey, listen, doors are going to be open for NXT. And AEW kind of, with that match, walked through those doors and was taking some people and saying, hey, check out what our product was. And then they went into a match with Britt Baker and showed their women off with Hikaru Shida, which was a number one contenders match, which was also really good. Probably Britt Baker's best match on television in AEW. And also extremely important for that women's division because now Rio has a challenger. It is Hikaru Shida, and she did really well with Emmy at full gear. And now if Hikaru Shida versus Rio, it's a match I'm looking forward to also. Yeah, I've said this before. Hikaru Shida is my she's my favorite woman on the AEW roster, and I love that we've a little bit more on Dynamite each time she's in the ring. But this match was this match was great. Really high stakes, like you said, number one contenders. Britt was bleeding from her nose. Shida took out the the steel chair to do the running V trigger off of onto Britt's face. They put a lot on the line tonight, and I think it's another high spot for the women's division. We didn't get any Brandy or Kong. Yeah, I was actually surprised by that, now that you bring it up. I never even thought about it. Which is, it's okay. Um, leaves more to be 
desired for, I guess. I didn't really think about it until just now. Um, I think this was another strong showing for the women's division. As I mentioned to you during the show, their women's roster is looking better and better each week. Yeah, they're doing a much better job of finding the right ones for television. Because, again, in the beginning, it, it was great. Nyla and Rio were awesome. They did a couple of the tag team matches, which just didn't really sit well. Maybe it was the audience with us. There was some, you know, little screw-ups. And, and they've had screw-ups in every match, not just women's matches. But the AEW crew has found the right rhythm. They've had really good matches. they put the right women together. Shanna's been great. Hikaru Shida's been great. Britt Baker's been great. B Priestley's been great. Rio's been great. They've all been really, really good. And they have the right flow going on right now, and I really liked this match, and I liked the fact that this was touted as a power-ranking top-five matchup. Yeah, like like I said, huge stakes involved. Um, Shida won, so right now I believe she's the number one contender, as we discussed. I believe so, yeah. That would be a great match. Like I said, uh, just Rio versus Sheeta is something that I think everybody's really going to be looking forward to watching. Well, we saw them at All Out. Yeah, that is. That's that's true. I, I forgot about that, which was a great match. It it's was. just it It's a match that, at the time, again, was one of those with not much attention because they weren't on television. So, uh, two individuals, they got a good story on the Road 2s, if you had a chance to watch that, if you haven't watched All Out. Uh, but they didn't get a ton of attention for that buildup, which was the number one contenders match, which got Rio into that match against Nyla Rose. Uh, they did a great package on the road to All Out. And again, it was a really good match. So I'm looking forward to seeing these two now getting their footing and talking about being on television. And they're ready to go. And I'm excited to see that title clash. Yeah, I don't know when the match is going to be, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it whenever that happens. And grade-wise, I, I would give this an A as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I would give it an A. I mean, I, there's nothing to complain about. I thought the match really worked. It built in the beginning, some really hard-hitting, worked right up to all these false finishes, a bunch of those knees to the face, and it really sold well with Britt Baker's broken nose. I don't know if it's broken, but her busted face, and I thought that was really good. It ended really well with a double knee strike right to the face, and uh, I thought it was an excellent match. Speaking of excellent... This match was followed up by a Dark Order propaganda video. Yeah, yeah, propaganda is the right word. Thoughts? I I liked it. Any type of high production segment, regardless of comedic value or maybe just completely out of character value, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be a Dark Order video package, but it was completely Dark Order, and then as the video progressed more and more it was a pitch like a cult it was entrancing it sounded seemed fun it was kind of not like a pyramid scheme but it's like hey if you're down and out in your life and you want to make a little bit of money why don't you join this and sell some girl scout cookies when in reality it's you're going to fall for the dark order and you're going to be stuck with a mask on it's a good segment i thought it was a really good promo and it was very unique and i know i believe evil uno made a comment on his own twitter that he did a desk job and this was so like hr let's all be happy in the office morale boosting let's all be a good team and i think this was totally his idea and i, I thought it was really good yeah i know you you really enjoyed it um i thought it was funny it I've mentioned before on the past couple podcasts that, you know, the Dark Order is starting to click with me. I think this was a nice addition. Instead of getting them in ring action again, showcase a different side of them, a different side of what they're about. Propaganda, I think, is the perfect word. Propaganda video. I do not want to join the Dark Order, but... No, I don't. But I guess we're going to see who will. I think this is gearing up to adding somebody to that. Yeah, they they tried with Marco Stunt last week. They, I believe AEW had posted out a tweet asking either like, would you want to be a creeper or who would you want to see as a creeper? Then we have this video. So it very well could be leading up to something. I, I don't know what, but I, I guess we, we will see. Yeah, I'll give the promo segment an A. Three A's to start the show. I, I would give it an A as well. The show started off really hot. Yeah, and then we went right into the Diamond Ring Battle Royal. Diamond Dozen. The rules were a little strange. Final two competitors in the Battle Royal then squared off next week in Chicago. Huge show for the Diamond Ring of AEW. 
And the star of this battle royal was Billy fucking Gunn. Yeah, he was definitely the, the star of the segment, the star of the match. He looked great. I mean, he looked great, physically looked fantastic. He sold everything really well, worked really well with Sonny Kiss. They did, a, they did an excellent segment with the booty poppin'. I guess that's what they did. And then he did an excellent segment with Orange Cassidy, which both times got interrupted by MJF, which Billy Gunn was not impressed by. So he was building some heat with MJF and Billy Gunn, the most over guy really in this whole match. Yeah, the crowd, the crowd uh, rightfully loved him. Um, but this was, this was cool. Um, it served its purpose. It served its purpose. Jimmy Havoc uh, comes in with the staple gun. Oh, yeah. He starts stapling everyone because he's pissed he's been eliminated. Uh, Janela gets eliminated by Sean Spears, the chairman. That's good. So we've got, you know, we've got that continuation and story building there. Um, and the right two guys finished. The right two guys, because next week you're advertising MJF and Adam Page. The connections there, even though Page on BTE kind of absolved himself from the elite, but you know he's not out of the elite, he's just taking a break. And I think this is, again, he's going up against MJF next week in Chicago. It's the guy that took down Cody, and I think he's going to feel a little more of that retribution coming as Adam Page is going to want to get a lick on MJF and Wardlow. So I think that match is also really good for next week, too. It set up a, It was a good segment, set up a really good match next week for that diamond ring. Does this count as another Battle Royale win for Paige? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he did technically survive this Battle Royale also, so I mean, it's possible. I think he should win all of the Battle Royales. It's like the Randy Orton Survivor Series thing? Just, yeah. Even if it's not talked about as much, it just keeps happening? He only wins the Battle Royals? Yes. Well, I'm going to say he's two for two right now because technically... He did survive. Yeah, the last two. I I agree. I think he's two for two. Royale. Two and zero. Oh. Two and zero oh in battle royals. Way to Adam go, Page. Hangman. Adam Page is the battle royal veteran. Let's keep this going. Yeah, don't forget about it. But next week, I'm gonna give that segment a B. Billy Gunn was really fun. I think it was a fun segment. It served its purpose. The ring thing, though. I mean, if this is what's gonna be their mid card championship. Um, again, they don't want to call it a mid-card. I don't want to call it a mid-card. But if this is going to be their pseudo-main event, their sub-world championship title, is it really something that people are going to be engaged watching? Because there are other options here. WCW used to use the United States heavyweight title as kind of the stepping stone to the world title. Big-name wrestlers held that belt. Scott Hall, Scott Steiner, Booker T., DDP, Sting, all those guys held that title. That was not a intercontinental title with guys like Curtis Axel and, you know, on the WWE. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, if I enjoy the fact that it's just a diamond ring, but I guess in the right hands, and in my opinion, I love Adam Page. But I think it's got to go to MJF. It can be done the right way. I agree. If the ring is put in the right hands, um, it'll definitely work out the way it's supposed to. And I also think that MJF looked like an absolute star tonight. He's looked like a star each and every week, but he had a really strong showing. Uh, the Wardlow thing, as we discussed last week, um, is fantastic. So I do think he should get the win over Paige next week. As far as the prize goes for the long term, I mean, we'll we'll see how it plays out. I think they need to add another title belt at some point, but AEW is still young. So you know, we've got the AEW World Championship, the Women's World Championship, and the World Tag Team Championship. So they do have three very prestigious titles in their own rights. So I don't think there is an immediate need to get a second tier title i don't know if that would be the right word i i agree mid card puts people in a box so i don't want to don't want to use that phrase but um i don't think it's an immediate need but in the future there's always room to add it yeah i agree and speaking of titles that brings us to the next segment probably the biggest segment of the evening chris jericho scorpio sky Chicago AEW World Championship match. 
You're jumping straight into the match. You don't even want to talk about how we got here. In what way? The promo or the long-term booking that you were so excited about? And you're screaming at the television, Say it! And they didn't. I know. How weird. That hurt me. Unless they kind of wanted to absolve from existence, maybe? What? Like, I, I thought maybe they wanted to, like, absolve it. Like, oh, maybe we don't want Chris Jericho to criticize Scorpio Sky. Like, oh, no, Scorpio, you're never going to see this title. But now Scorpio's like, well, bitch, I'm here next week in Chicago. But the segment itself, you're right. It did start off really hot. Jericho came out. He couldn't say sorry. Hager said his first words. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Hagar, as Jericho calls him. But I believe it is Hager. Am I wrong? Jake Hager. Hagar. Hager. Hager. So Hager says sorry. SCU came out in Indianapolis. They loved him. And they were cheering for him. And so it was a really good segment altogether. Jericho, Hager, Scorpio. They baited Jericho into kind of letting this world title match happen at or during his Thanksgiving Day celebration next week. And that's kind of a, a fun little thing. And I think it was obviously a Jericho promo through and through. He loves that kind of shtick. But altogether, Scorpio is the right guy, man. It's awesome. We talked about it last week on the podcast. I've said this many times before. I, I'm a huge fan of Scorpio Sky. Um, you want to talk about the, the right guy and the long-term booking. I mean, this has really been building since All Out when Jericho made that subtle comment in the the backstage uh, promo after he won the belt. But I think they handled the segment properly. As we talked about last week, and everyone's been talking about, Scorpio was the first man to pin Jericho in AEW. But Scorpio's not a singles wrestler. So how is he entitled to a world championship match when wins and losses matter? It, he is not next in line in terms of the way everything's been been booked. So I think that this was the proper way to, you know, will the match into existence. It was Jericho's wishes. Jericho's not going to let Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky didn't want the match. Jericho's giving it to him because he doesn't want it. You know, he Scorpio Sky doesn't deserve a championship match. Well, now he's got it. I mean, it was obviously it was fun. Um, it was cheesy in its own sense, but I think it was it was handled correctly because how are you? questioning the champion Le Champion granting a match yeah and to continue what you're saying it's Scorpio kind of not even asking for it I guess you know it's a way to circumnavigate the rankings without really cheating is just kind of Jericho's picking his own opponent he's he's willing to defend this title he's picking who he's defending his title against I'm fine with that I'm not angry about the ranking level Pac will get his chance Pack will get his time, but if you're really talking about booking, it doesn't make sense to have Jericho against Pack. It doesn't. It doesn't mesh up. There's no reason for these two guys to be going at it yet. And this, I think, is going to develop into something. Maybe it's Moxley first. We don't know yet. Scorpio could always win. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on that too. Uh, of course, we talked about this last week. SCU had to beat Jericho and Sammy G because they're the World Tag Team Champions. They've been in a tag team for how long? So at the same time, you know, on the reverse, we even touched on this. Scorpio Sky's not going to win against Jericho, who is an established singles wrestler for virtually his whole career. And he's the world champion. And he's the world champion. But what AEW has done so well is just give you a moment of hesitation where I'm sitting here going, is Scorpio Sky going to win next week? Uh, that and little bit. And that's all you need to be invested. There's nothing worse than knowing when you're going into a show that the title's not going to change hands. And I know that Darby Allen, you kind of knew it wasn't going to change hands. You kind of know that Scorpio's not going to change hands. And one of the bigger reasons why is because he's the tag team champion still. If Scorpio Sky was not one half of the world tag team champions, I think I would look at this and go, hey, maybe. Because unfortunately, Darby Allen, who's still young, he's still developing. Scorpio, I already feel, even though we weren't introduced to him as a mainstream wrestler until AEW, I already look at him and feel like, okay, this guy is already more established. This guy's already in that ranking, just in my personal opinion by viewership. 
Darby looks like a guy that is going to get there one day. But Scorpio looks like he's ready to go. So that's where, if he wasn't one half of the tag team champions, which in WWE, that wouldn't matter. They don't care about the tag team titles. People have been world tag team champions and WWE champion. But this time, this is supposed to be an equal playing field. I can't see somebody having double championships. I, I don't think he's going to win either, but it's just that, well, shit, he could. Yeah. And that's and again, that's that's all he you could. need. You never know. You never know. And And that's all I need to, well... Like I said, just that little moment of of doubt gets me that much more invested. But you know, earlier we talked about uh, Phoenix, Phoenix, and uh, Nick Jackson in their singles match, and I think this is another instance of great exposure for tag team wrestlers, which they have to do because unfortunately their roster is a little thin. So they do have to kind of use these guys in different manners because the audience can only watch so much tag team wrestling. For some reason, we are inherently wired to accept singles matches more often than we are tag team matches. Well, I don't think it's necessarily that as much. Uh, My favorite wrestlers are all in tag teams. Yeah. And with the you know caliber of talent that AEW has, I could watch tag team wrestling all day. I enjoy tag team wrestling also. I, I just I was talking on a broader view of audience. But I think that um you know having these tag team wrestlers in singles bouts, we also had Pack versus Trent a couple weeks ago. It just showcases a different set of abilities. Do you think sometimes tag team wrestling can mask the inefficiencies or deficiencies, I don't know which word's correct in this term, of the wrestlers that you are the favorites of in those tag teams? Like, do you think that because they're in a tag team, it can kind of mask some of the deficiencies they have as wrestlers? That maybe that's why they look so much better when they're in a group and not so much as a singles wrestler or competitor? Are you taking shots at my boys? No. It was just a wholeheartedly innocent question. That was a loaded question. It, you took it loaded, but no, it was not a loaded question. I, I was used, I was actually thinking of Edge and Christian as an example, saying both these guys, when they're in a tag team, they both look fantastic. You think they're both going to be really successful. But then when they become separated in singles competition, Edge swims and Christian kind of sinks. Christian bounced back, of course. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestling mind. But I meant that just in that sense that, you know, hey, maybe it's being masked the entire time when they're in that tag team. But, you know... That's something that would take so long to unpack. Yeah, I mean, we we could spend a long time debating that question, and I think we could probably do an episode in the future just dedicated solely to tag team wrestling. So we're going to save that for a different day because there's still more to cover in this segment. After the uh, world title match was announced for next week, this ended in... A brawl, of course. The rest of the inner circle came out and jumped SCU, trying to get a early advantage on Scorpio Sky before next week. But to SCU's defense, we had Jurassic Express, uh, Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy, and the ever-popular Luchasaurus. Yeah, and of course, Luchasaurus, mega over, comes out, Helps clear out some of these guys eye to eye. He did have a squash match after this, which is fine because they're they're identifying that this guy's over. They got to give him a little bit of a singles rub. But this is the most important part of this. He stares down Jake Hager. Eye to eye, big man, big man, hinting at, again, long-term booking. I can't see Luchasaurus and Hager getting into it anytime soon. I think Dustin and Hager probably have to go at it too. Uh... Hangman and Hager probably have to go at it too. They have some booking that we've seen over the past couple of weeks, especially with the broken wrist from Dustin. But the ideal matchup of Luchasaurus versus Jake Hager, and some people don't like big guys on big guys. These are athletic big guys, and this could be awesome. Yeah, that would be a hell of a match. But as you mentioned, uh, this segment itself was followed up with Luchasaurus versus Peter Avalon. Super short and sweet squash match. Perfect. It's what Luchasaurus needs. 
Yeah, and it, it's going to be exactly what happens when I wrestle Joey Janela. It's just going to be... Joey's going to squash you? No, not quite. So it's but, not... So you... Then how is it exactly... Because I'm going over. No. If I don't go over Joey Janela, there's a problem here. Bite me, Joey. You're going to find this. And after all that, we had the tag team match of the evening we were looking forward to. Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz. Sexy Santana and Ortiz. Yeah, this this is a match I was really excited for last week and all of this week. It was emotionally heavy with the passing of their friend and fellow wrestler Matt Travis. You could tell just looking at all four of the guys that this was really weighing on them. Uh, Santana had come out wearing the like a memorial shirt for Matt Travis, and they draped it over the ring. The, or they draped it over the ropes and all of the all of the guys touched it before the match. The the camera and commentary actually focused on that piece, which I thought was extremely classy and made the moment special because I know this is something that meant a lot to all four of them. But I I was a little disappointed with this one. Um I don't know if it was if the mood was brought down because of the the circumstance itself. Uh, I also felt like the commercial placement was really weird. Terrible. And it just, it pulled me in and out and I couldn't get as invested as I wanted to. And then there was that weird spot with the ref when Ortiz got pinned and I don't know what happened, but... Terrible. That was, that was just an awkward moment. I, I don't know. I, I, I like the match. Private Party getting a win over Proud and Powerful is huge. They gave them their first loss. In AEW. Even though Nick Jackson did kind of help. Well, yeah. I mean. But that's okay. Continues the story. Of course. Um, yeah, that's, it's just furthering the feud there with the Bucks. And, you know, larger than that, the Inner Circle versus the Elite. I, don't, I just think the placement on the card, along with the commercials, just didn't do the match itself justice. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to it. I swear we got three full-length commercial breaks. I it think was there was bad. a point. There was actually a point, I believe, that the picture-in-picture picture was playing, and the commercials went so long, the picture-in-picture picture shut off, and we had full-length commercial going through. I, I couldn't believe it. That just, it killed the match. Also, I don't want to make a wild criticism here, but I like Private Party. But we've kind of talked for over the past three, four weeks on this podcast and acknowledge that Private Party has been a little slow and deliberate and maybe not as sharp as they were against the Young Bucks. And I think in this case, these guys are all young guys. Santana and Ortiz, respectively, are much more experienced, but it didn't mesh well again. And maybe I'm starting to think, maybe Private Party we have to dial a little bit back on and say, look, they're really green. And that we have to play a little more of a patient role with them instead of expecting this extravagant performance. And I think that kind of showed it this evening that these guys were not at their best. Well, emotions were also really high in this one, too. That is true. And they may have been wanting to respect their fallen friend. But uh, Dustin did come out to help Nick Jackson. The Sammy Guevara came out. Dustin was fucking vlogging. Yeah, well, he was yeah vlogging on Sammy Guevara. Yeah, he was using the the cast, which I uh, that was awesome. I think it's great. I think at one point Dustin was like attacking Sammy while Sammy was still vlogging. Right? I I believe so. It was Hilarious. a good segment. It set up a continuation of the Elite versus the Inner Circle. I know that one of our friends doesn't see it as that. But I believe that this just has to be the case. I don't think that this has been resolved by any means, just inner circle and elite. No, I, I agree there. So what do you give? Actually, you know what? We forgot to give grades to the other segment. So the Jericho segment was an A. Always an A. This segment, this was like a B minus. I, I, I graded it as a B. It, unfortunate. I, I think the commercials really did the most damage, though. It killed the pacing for everybody at home, and it kind of got boring. And then the ref botch, that was tough. But the main event was arguably the best match of the entire evening, and everything else has been rated really, really high. Darby Allen, John Moxley. Was it everything you expected, or was it different? Was it bad? Was it good? 
because I know you like both of these guys a lot. It wasn't what I expected per se because there wasn't that hardcore element in terms of weapon usage, but Darby came out with the body bag. Which was excellent. We haven't seen that in a minute. Big match feel right there. Absolutely. Um, I thought that they worked extremely well together. Mox reversed the fucking coffin drop. Yeah. Into, into a, a submission. Hold. It's yeah. a chokehold. That was crazy. That was creative. Um, Very. It wasn't what I expected, but it, I loved it. I, I, I absolutely loved it. I really liked the fact that Moxley played the bigger role here. Yeah. Because it, it, one of the things that WWE does that we're so trained to watch because it's it's basically in America that's what we see so much of is that everybody's kind of on this playing even playing field, right? And John Moxley is not considered a big guy. He's 230 pounds, that's what was referenced by Jim Ross, but he's not considered a big guy by WWE standards. Drew McIntyre is a big dude. Yeah. And even McIntyre isn't necessarily considered a big dude by WWE standards. And I mean that not because he's not bigger than everybody else, but because of the way that the matches are booked. Guys that are smaller than him are delivering moves to him that are making impact similar as if he was wrestling somebody his own size. In this match, which I gave an A-plus to, yes. John Moxley was wrestling this match saying, hey, listen, Darby... You're a little fucking dude. And when he did that crossbody off the top and he just shook him off, that was fantastic. That was awesome. Best part of the entire night. But Darby Allen had to do a lot of high-flying things, and every time Moxley would throw him, it looked like this guy was going to die. But he has to jump over the railing. He's got to go on the top rope. He's got to use outside the ring because Moxley has that size advantage. And it was not a significant size advantage, but it was enough that it made it feel like it was a real wrestling match. Almost like a New Japan. And it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a great main event. Yeah, I, I agree there. And I've said this before with, with Rio too. The wrestlers know their role. But I, I don't mean that in like, terms of status it's rio's what 90 pounds i think so so she's not gonna fight like nyla rose she's not nyla rose no and it makes and, it and, so much more believable exactly and darby allen is he's got his own moveset he's got his own abilities the kid is fucking fantastic but he's not fucking jake hager he's, no, he's not, not john moxley he's he's smaller so i just i i like the way the matchups just in general have been built because they are they are believable. Everyone's working within their own moveset that they should have based on their size and stature and speed and and, and everything. Uh, but I digress there. I, I it was everything we could have asked for. I think. Yeah, and and Moxley giving him he's the best example of this is when wrestlers can book themselves. Wrestlers know themselves better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And CM Punk was on Colin Coward's show. And he basically mentioned that if these guys are just allowed, because he hated that segment with the mascot with Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns, if these guys are just allowed to develop their characters on their own, to understand their characters, and if Moxley never went to Japan, where he would really understand the nuances of this style of wrestling, I don't know how well this match would have come off, but he did this match so well, and this has to be gearing him to become the world champion. There's no way around it. He's got to be the guy that beats Jericho. Well, he said, who's at the top of the food chain? There's only one guy at the top of the food chain, and that's Chris Jericho, or Scorpio Sky. But, Scorpio Sky. <laughs> but John Moxley, I think, has to be the guy. I, I just think I see it now. The guy's a star. He main events the show. The crowd goes ballistic. The crowd was white hot the entire match. Now, Darby's very over, but so is Moxley. And when Moxley and Jericho finally collide, when that promo happens on Dynamite, that is going to be explosive. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's what it's gearing up towards, though, um, probably in the near future. But that takes us to the end of this week's episode of Dynamite. Yes. Um, next week is going to be a huge show. Very excited. We have Cody returning. Yep. 
we have Scorpio Sky versus Chris Jericho for the World Championship. MJF versus Adam Page mm-hmm. for the Diamond Ring. And of course, it's in Chicago. So it's going to be awesome regardless. But oh, Sweet home. Yeah. But you're right. It's time to move on to the World Tag League now. Which you spent an entire two days binging to make sure you caught up on it all because we kind of slacked a little bit on it. Yeah, I'm I'm still catching up to be honest. It's been it's been busy. Um I've got grad school and work, so finding the time to get all of this wrestling in has been a bit much, but I'm doing what I can to catch up. And New Japan's a grind. It's an everyday grind. The problem is if I miss a show, then it just like piles up like it's like I'm procrastinating yeah and it gets really hard to catch up there's so many matches per show too especially when they're doing this type of thing but the world tag league just unfortunately for New Japan they just don't have the quality of tag teams they they don't they don't and I think that's where AEW has spoiled us right now yeah because it's bar none the best tag team league in the world but even if WWE Try not trying to give them any credit, but even if WWE wanted to put a tournament together, I mean their 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 tag teams would be stacked too. I mean they would have really good ones, better they, than what the World Tag League. They is. have established tag teams. A lot of these World Tag League teams are not established tag teams, just factions with people together. Which, in a sense, it does work because Makes you sense. you know your faction mates. Sure. So I mean, it, there's chemistry there. Like, take the Bullet Club. You've got Kenta and Yujiro, Fale See, and Chase like Owens. Fale and Chase Owens is a good one. As much as I don't like Chase Owens, it's a good one. It, it fits. They've been together almost every show with Yujiro also, but I don't I don't like the Kenta-Yujiro one. I just don't think it meshes well. I think maybe just because Kenta's also too new for that. Well, who else were they supposed to team him with, though? Jay White? No. I feel like if it was I Jay guess. White, they would have won. G.O.D.'s great. G.O.D.'s, again, if you want to talk about tag team, G.O.D.'s best tag team in there. But I guess if you were to team Kenta and Jay White, how can they not win? Jay White's the intercontinental champion. Well, that's, I guess, why he's not in the yeah. tournament. But K- Kenta's the never uh, open champion. Right, if champion. you were to put them both together, I mean, how could they lose? With some of the other tag teams that really don't have any business being together. I mean, they have to win a lot of points. I, this is just me trying to go wrestling logic here. But I think Fale and Kenta would have been really cool. It kind of would have rehashed maybe a little bit of that Fale Finn Balor team that they did so I, I just thought that's my vision I obviously it's my head I just I see the smaller guy kind of with the big guy and I just immediately I want to put that together but you know back on the topic of lack of established tag teams one thing that really irritated me was that G.O.D. the current IWGP heavyweight tag champions. And the best tag team in their company, by far. And my favorite tag team in the world, but this is not intended to be a biased comment. They lost their first match to Yano and Colt Cabana. Disgusting. We talked last week, and we even touched on it in this podcast, how, I'm not trying to be repetitive, but again, SCU had to beat Jericho and Sammy because they are a fucking tag team. Yano and Colt Cabana are not an established tag team, and they are beating their fucking champions. There was nothing wrong with the match itself. I think it was 10 to 12 minutes in length. They were given ample time. And, you know, in in a way, it sort of makes sense. Yano and Cabana are ring vets in, you know, in, in their own way, as much as G.O.D. are, but... They've been around much longer. So I can see where they find a way to outsmart their opponents. Yano's a trickster. He's got these antics that he always finds a way to win. I understand it. But I had this issue with Yano in the G1. Where you know he's not going to win the G1. He's not going to win the World Tag League. So why is he getting these big victories over these top stars. I agree. I completely agree. This guy gets no time regularly on right. their programming right. in terms of a match. 
He goes out there and he's a comedic act. He's for fun and he loses. All of a sudden, he comes into a tournament. He can flip a switch on and become a world champion level competitor. I understood the one with Moxley. Remember when he tricked him and tied him together or whatever the hell he did? That I one that. I actually really enjoyed. I, I thought that one was fun and then Mox spir- spiraled out of control. Right, but and it, it made sense. Mm-hmm. But beating the world champions cleanly with a guy who's also a comedic, low-opener, curtain-jerker, Colt Cabana, I fucking hate it. It's just... Kills it's just it. one thing that doesn't make sense to me and i just thought it was a poor way for god to start the tournament i i guess some people like it in japan i know he's popular the moxley thing was actually really well done but i you know i i haven't been i'm not a huge fan of yano me either but i did i i thought the mox the whole mox segment shtick with with shoda and you know buying yano's dvd and, and the antics that worked yeah but Beating guys cleanly or whatever, I, I can't do he, it. He beat Jay White, and he beat Naito. They did the same shit with Taguchi, though. They did the same thing with Taguchi. They treated him like a comedic act. He barely gets over on their regular television. He goes into the best of the Super Junior tournament and goes to the finals, almost. And it, I, I understood it was trainer, mentor. He's a guy that trains these guys. He I put get on, that. I enjoyed a lot of his matches. He's a good wrestler. But why treat him this way normally when we watch him for three months? It's like a... It's, it's like a terrible su- booking. It's like a Super Cena effect. Yes. It's almost like, oh, well, basically what you're trying to tell me is that this guy could be world champion at any time. Or he could be super junior champion at any time. He could be, you know, uh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. He can win this cup at any time. He can win the Super J Cup if he wanted to. He can win the best of the Super Junior Tournament if he wanted to. It doesn't make sense. I don't like that. And that was what kills the immersion factor, even though he was having great wrestling. Whenever Taguchi came on during the tournament, I had to, besides the match I believe he had with Yo, which was really well done, uh, because Kevin Kelly sold the shit out of that, I had to kind of just look at it for the wrestling aspect and just cut out all story. But, speaking of the Super Juniors... There is a Super Junior who's going to become available for signing any day now. And his name is Marty Skrull. Maybe he'll go to 205 Live. I don't think they even have that anymore. Do they? I don't know. I remember when Okada said that he was going to go to 205 Live. Well, maybe Okada will go to AEW and feud with Marty Skrull again. That would be something. I mean, I, I think everybody kind of expects Marty to go to AEW. I think they expect him to come in... I think the story might be gearing towards their member of the elite. The one left is going to come and unite the group. Everybody's falling apart, but they need Marty to pull it all back together. You want to talk about long-term booking. Cody covered a picture of him and Marty on being the elite with a picture of MJF. I really kind of want like this motivational moment where there's some type of dramatic music playing behind Cody as he walks down the hallway knowing what he needs to save the elite and just rips the picture of MJF off of Marty Skrull and it's like he's back you know what I'm saying that would be that would be something that I'd be like you fucking go but he could always stay with ROH I know that Ring of Honor is been giving everybody a headache after the Joey Mercury situation that's been happening for a couple of weeks now. But he would be their major star. And NXT, as much as we don't talk much about it, they do kind of need another one of those main event stars also. They only have Matt Riddle, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole. There's not many other guys, maybe Velveteen Dream, but you know, he would fit in any of these organizations and really be their main eventer, even AEW. I would love to see him in AEW. I think we all would. I've always had this long-standing fear, I guess, that he was going to go to NXT. It's a fear for me because I don't watch NXT. (laughs) Uh, I watch AEW. Um, But I hope he makes the best decision for himself. You know, whatever's going to make him happy. I think 
the three platforms you just laid out, he's a star no matter where he goes or what he does. And time will soon tell, I'm sure. But other than that, I mean, the last thing I wanted to touch on for this week is that Bash at the Beach announcement. The January 15th Bash at the Beach nine-day extravaganza? Hell yeah. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be going on the Jarrah Cruise. Yes. So I was super pumped to begin with, but just as we get closer and as they keep announcing stuff, I'm super stoked. Yeah, I think I'm more excited about how the venue's going to look on television, how super cool it's going to be to have a dynamite shot from the cruise ship. That's really awesome. It's our first dynamite. Yeah, that's going to be cool. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome. Jericho's done some pretty awesome things, and this is a really cool adventure. Bash at the Beach. And you know what? Um, While we're here, that'll be the throwback match. Bash at the Beach, WCW, 1996. It is a six-man tag team match. The Outsiders, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall against Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger. And it's the day that the NWO was born. Check it out, WWE Network, WCW, Bash at the Beach, 1996, six-man tag, Outsiders and their mystery partner, you all know who it is, versus Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger. You can check it out. It's the main event of the show, I promise. You will not regret it. And with that, I can say thank you for listening, and I know that you endured this podcast with us, but it was a great week of Dynamite, and we're excited for next week. Yeah, thank you guys for listening once again. If any of you are going to be on the Jera Cruise, let us know. Uh, we're like I said, we're super excited to be going, and we, you know, we'd love to connect. So let us know if you're going to be there. Um, again, if you have any questions or feedback, or you want to talk about anything, at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, um, Dojo and Dynamite at Gmail dot com is the email if you want to reach us that way. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.